Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the importance of the Word of God. Now, you want to be a lawyer? Go to school. You want to be a doctor? Go to school. You want to be an engineer? Go to school. You want to be a Christian? You want to be a godly person? Read the Bible. It's all you need. Don't add, don't take away. That's all you need. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is in the Word of God. And so the Word of God is sufficient. It's sufficient for your life and mine. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Nowadays, it's hard enough to assemble a simple toy without directions. But at the same time, so many people are trying to put their life together without God, the divine designer's guidance. So today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Deuteronomy and shows us where to find the answer to life's most important questions, the true issues of life. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I've entitled the message, No Substitute for Obedience. Do you remember your father or mother, out of concern for you, communicating to you that obedience to their instructions would benefit you? And yet, as we're there listening, as we're growing up, in the back of my mind, I say, yeah, sure, Dad, sure, Mom. It's amazing how wise we were when we were young. And the second thing that's so amazing is how much we have forgotten all we knew when we get older. Such is the case with Moses. He is like a father who is concerned for the best of his children, knowing that he will not be there with them in the future. And therefore, he exhorts them to obey the word of God given to them in order that they may experience all that God had for them. Do you realize that this is all that God wants for your life? He wants you and myself to experience all that he has for me. And it comes through obedience. Moses tells the children of Israel five things that the word of God would do for them if they obeyed. They are found in verses 1 through 8. Let me read the passage, and I will give you the five things that the Word of God would do for them. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgment which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers has given you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take anything from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who follow Baal Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgment, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God who is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day. Five things 
Then Moses tells them the word of God will do for them if they will obey it. There's the key. If they will obey it. There is no substitute for obedience in the word of God, nor in life apart from God. Disobedience brings destruction, and obedience brings great benefit. There are five things. First, in verse 1, the word of God would allow them to live. Real simple. Secondly, in verse 2, the word of God would be self-sufficient. Then thirdly, the word of God would, be, would mean what it says in verse 3 and 4. And then fourthly, the word of God would transform them in verse 5. And then in verse 6 through 8, last, the word of God would make them examples. Five important things, if they will obey, the word of God would do for them. Let's look at the first benefit. The word of God would allow them to live. Do you realize how many people today, this morning, their only cry, their only search is that they might live? Because they're not living. They're in miserable conditions. They're unhappy. They are in marital circumstances that are just grievous. Some of them are in financial circumstances which are beyond their ability to get out of. And though they have physical life, though they are healthy at this point, they, they hate every day. They're not living. Notice first the people being instructed were the nation of Israel. They had been slaves for 430 years in Exodus 1240. They were a murmuring people, Deuteronomy 127. They were a stiff-necked people, Deuteronomy 9.6. They were rebellious people, Deuteronomy 9.7. And they did not have a heart to obey God, Deuteronomy 5.29. You say, well, why in the world would God call people like that to obey? Because they're just like you and I, that's why. <laughs> you see, that's the way we were. That is our natural state. And God takes people who are sinners and sinful and rebellious, and then he asks them to obey as he delivers them and gives them the ability and capacity to obey. Have you ever heard or read in the Bible that God calls any righteous people? I've never found one. They've all been dirty, rotten sinners. God delivers them and then gives them the ability to obey. Notice, secondly, the proclamation was to listen to the statutes and judgments, not just to hear them. There's a distinction between hearing and listening. The word listen appears 20 times here in Deuteronomy. It's a key word over and over again. Listen, listen. What do you tell your children, parents? Listen to me. <laughs> Look at me when I'm talking to you. Do you understand me? What did I say? What time did I say when you come in? What do I tell you about the trash cans? Listen, hear. The person who hears is one who comes to know what is right and wrong, but doesn't necessarily obey what is right. He just hears. The person who listens is the one who hears and obeys. He is instructed and is made aware of the right and wrong by hearing. He understands the difference and understands the outcome of obeying or disobeying. And he makes the right decision for the instruction to be beneficial. You see, hearing is instruction, information. 
The process is understanding, understanding the consequences of disobeying, understanding the benefits of obeying. And the decision to obey is called wisdom. And then through time, we get the benefit and the fruit of that decision. We often confuse knowledge with wisdom. But the key between the two is understanding. Notice the third thing is that the purpose of the instruction was threefold. And it's found there still in verse 1. First, that the instruction be observed. In other words, if you get instructed, it's for the purpose of doing what you're told. No one ever gives commands or instructions just to hear themselves. So they're, first of all, to be observed. So how is it done? First, they're taught. And as you're being taught, then it's to be honored. And as it's honored, then it's to be obeyed. It's very simple. And these are very simple things. But it's amazing how society can function so orderly, how your life and mine can be so beneficial if we follow the simple guidelines of life. The problems we have in our society are not that difficult. They're not that complex. They're very simple solutions, but nobody wants the simple solutions. We think that if we have more money, that'll solve the problem of crime. If we have more education, that will solve it. Those are the same two issues we've been throwing out for years. And all we do is we get more in debt and we get smarter sinners. Notice, secondly, that they may live. To live in a physical sense, God's judgment would not fall upon them. Very simple. God would not plague them. Secondly, to live in fellowship with God, having atonement and access to Him. That's another and more important way to live. They were delivered. The blood of Christ was under them. And the type of the blood on the doorposts and the lentils, as the angel of death leaped over them in Egypt. So they were in fellowship with God. They, they, were, they had that spiritual life. But thirdly, to live abundantly, enjoying the blessings and the protection of God by following and doing His will. That ongoing relationship, enjoying life. Are you enjoying life this morning or are you just enduring? I mean, nobody's in a constant high. Sometimes I get up and say, oh man, what a day. Or sometimes I come in the office here and it seems like I lose the whole day. There's nothing I can get done. But are you enjoying life or are you just enduring it? That will tell you much about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thirdly, that they may go and to possess the land given to them. You see, the land was a gift to them. The land was their inheritance. The land was identified as a land of milk and honey, that which would bless them, that which would be best for them. That's why it is so important that you and I, when we are going to make a decision, say you're going to move or, or, or whether you take this job or not, that you pray. That God be the one to direct and guide you because he knows what's best for you. He knows what job's best for you. He knows where the best place to live is. And you start making decisions on your own, you might go from milk and honey to, you know, Kellogg's and Rice Krispies, you know what I mean? You want to make sure you're in God's will. Joshua exhorted the second generation as they went in to possess the land. He says, you shall meditate upon this book day and night, and then you shall be prosperous and have good success, Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Now, the prosperity and success there is primarily spiritual. But as we are obedient in the spiritual realm, then doesn't God bless the material and the physical? Why? Because it's a natural outflow. You're making right decisions. You're walking in a way that pleases God. 
You're doing what's right. And there's a correlation between the two. Have you ever considered how, many, how much your life has changed and how much more you experience life now than before you did without Christ or without, before being a Christian? Just look, think of your life. How much you really experience life now. The way you view people and life itself compared to what you used to view it. You used to look at people to see how you can get over on them, what you can get out of them. Now you look at them a little different. I'm not saying that our sin nature is not there. It's there all the time. We've got to keep it under. The things you do for fun now and enjoyment than what you did then. If you did last night what you used to do then, you wouldn't be here this morning. You know what I mean? You experience life a lot more. You enjoy it. You have refocused your priorities and do not spend your money on foolish things as you did before. When we're in the world, we try to impress people, you know. We have a little bit of money, so we buy the niftiest car and we flash around money and clothes and whatever it is. And, and you know, that's what we're known for, you know. And, you know and, and, and we just foolishly throw money away. That doesn't mean you can't buy clothes. It doesn't mean you can't have a car or a house or anything. Do that. But, you know, it, now as the Lord, you have priorities and you're not buying things just to flash them or to show off, but you buy what you need and you're a steward and, and you enjoy them and your decisions are prioritized. You are more ready to help others without expecting to be repaid than before. All of us even had a moment in time before the Lord that we did something just for the good of it. But for the most part, we saw what we can get out of it, one way or the other. See, you're, you're living now. You're more peaceful with yourself. You enjoy life. You, you know, I mean, do you get up in the morning and say, oh, oh, God, what a day. Or do you get up and say, oh, God, what a day. Same words. The tone is different. Have you observed the number of meaningful relationships you have now with families that are lasting and wholesome compared to before? Your relationships with other men and women are meaningful now. They're purposeful. They're edifying. They're edifying. Before, they were friends only as long as you were parting with them, as long as you had money, as long as you were always the party animal. It's not a meat market anymore, hopefully. But you're looking to see what God can do in you and through you. How you can build each other up. Man, experiencing life so much more now. Have you ever realized the purpose of life that you have now compared to the endless searching of meaning for life before Christ? What is man's question always? What is the meaning of life? Basic questions are always asked. Why are we here? You know, you die and that's it. Work like a dog and die like a hog. What's the meaning? You used to wonder what you were here for. Now you know. You used to wonder if there was a God, and if there was, how could he allow these atrocities to happen and injustices? Some innocent people are dying. Before you would say, how could, how could a God allow that? But now you know God's in control, and you know that the world we experience is not what God intended. But in fact, it's in a fallen state, and it's a result of man's continual disobedience against God. It's a fallen world. 
and you know that God is just and he's in control. I don't have to walk around ticked off at God anymore, right? So you experience life so much more because of the way you think, the information you possess, the faithfulness of God in your life. So the word of God would cause them to live. How about you? You've experienced the difference. As you obey it, you, you fulfill it. You partake of it. You are the recipient of it. But if we disobey, then we lose that life, don't we? Day, two, a week, a month, whatever it is. We're miserable. We're like David, you know, I'm all dried up. I just, you know, I, I'm anxious. Notice the second benefit in verse 2. The word of God would be self-sufficient. Notice they were not to add to the word entrusted to them. The addition of any human words pollutes the purity of God's word. Please understand that. The addition of any human words pollutes the purity of God's word. Secondly, the addition of any human words confuses the clear counsel of God's word. Now you've got to decide which is which. And the addition of human words competes with God's word. Always. Leave it alone. You have God's pure word. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Don't add to it. But then secondly, notice they were not to take away from God's word and trust it to them. The subtracting from God's word presumes on correcting God's word. Well, let's help God out. He made a mistake here. Surely he couldn't mend this because it's just too hard. We can't do this. So let's put it out. Oh, really? God never calls you to do something before he enables you to do it. If he tells you to obey, then he gives the ability to obey. Otherwise, God would be unjust and unfair. The subtracting from God's word violates the full counsel of God's word. It's no longer the full counsel. We have censored it. The subtracting from God's word compromises God's word, removing holy living, consequence, and punishment, because if we're going to remove anything, we're going to remove those things that we don't like, right? Those things we don't like to what? Those things we don't like to obey. And so what happens is we end up with nothing of any meaning or any content. And we don't believe in punishment, so we remove all the verse of punishment. And we don't believe that you can, you, know, you can abstain from sexual activity. So, you know, we remove all the verses that says you're to be pure and to remain a virgin until you're married. Because, you know, that's impossible. And so we start re deleting all these things and we end up with nothing. Nothing that's any good. We can destroy the word of God. But notice thirdly, they were not to add or take away from God's word in order that they keep the commandments of the Lord their God. To keep them. If you have them, then you're responsible. And if you have them, and if you read them, and if you meditate upon them, if you're instructed, then you're more likely to keep them. The word instructed them. The word exhorted them. The word admonished them. The word warned them. The word judged them. It's important to have the word of God around. To hear it. It does all those things for me. The Lord one day sent Jeremiah to stand before the court of the house of the Lord and to speak to all the cities of Judah that had come to worship. And listen to what he says. Do not diminish a word. The reason being 
that perhaps everyone will listen and turn from their evil ways and he would not bring upon them the calamity he prophesied he would do. Jeremiah 26, 2 and 3. Don't diminish your word. Give it all because there will be somebody out there that will open their hearts that will trust me for it. The principle of adding and subtracting from God's word is found throughout the Bible. Proverbs 35 and 6 is the next appearance of such a scripture like this, declaring that every word of God is pure and tested, and that if any man adds to his word, God will himself reprove him and make him a liar. He will found him to be a liar. And then in the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, 18 through 19, it declares that if anyone adds the book, to them will be added the plagues that are written in the book, and if anyone takes away from the book, God will take away his part from the books of life. He says, don't mess with my word. You see, the teachings of man will always make the commandments of God of none effect. Remember, Jesus said that in Mark 7, 13. The Pharisees were teaching the traditions of man as the commandments of God, making the word of God of none effect. Always. Man's teachings place heavy burdens on man. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, God's mean. God's, you know, that's difficult. You know, man is more unreasonable than God. Because at least God, when he asks something of us, he gives us the ability to do it. We ask somebody to do something, we don't even know they have the ability to do it. We demand of them. Man's teachings enslave men and turn them away from God. Man's teachings benefit men only for himself, never to God and the individual, always to himself. He is looking for the best. And man's teachings and traditions are not equal with authority with the word of God. Now, people try to put them on the same par, but they're not. Tradition and man's teachings alter the word of God. They make the word of God of none effect. Because we usually opt out to our tradition, right? And we leave God's word out. One of the amazing things when I came to know the Lord is um, I was raised a Catholic all my life, and I was born in Mexico City, and all my Catholic were diehard Catholics, you know. I mean, that's it. That's all I knew. And I never read the Bible in my life, and all of a sudden, I got born again. I started reading the Bible. And I was amazed of all the things I was taught that were not in the Bible or contrary to the Bible. And I had to come to a point whether I was going to believe the teachings that were given to me or whether I was going to believe God. And the decision was real simple for me. It was no decision at all. It was God all the way. So from that day on, since I've been born again, I check everything through the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, then I throw it out. It is absolutely worthless. That doesn't mean that you can't have traditions and customs to hang on to as long as they do not contradict the Word of God or rather take away from it. Some of your cultures may have a, some real nice traditions for family and, all, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure it doesn't contradict or add to it. That's the important thing. And so the Word of God is sufficient. It's sufficient for your life and mine. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Theopanuso, God breathed, expired. It's proper for doctrine, correction, instruction in God that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Now, you want to be a lawyer? Go to school. You want to be a doctor? Go to school. 
You want to be an engineer? Go to school. <laughs> you want to be a Christian? You want to be a godly person? Read the Bible. It's all you need. Don't add. Don't take away. That's all you need. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is in the Word of God. Pastor Xavier Reese with the best advice for living a fulfilled life. Now you can request a copy of today's challenging study from the book of Deuteronomy called No Substitute for Obedience. You can request a copy on CD for just $4. Now make sure you request an additional copy to pass along to someone who could use some encouragement. The title to ask for once again is No Substitute for Obedience. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, can anything good come out of bad times? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 